This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today, whether you're here listening through the radio station, talkradio.nyc, or on our Facebook live stream. Um, I'm very happy that you're with us. Big shout out to my old friend Phil, who I've known for a million years, who I just see is watching us on the Facebook live stream. Welcome. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. We have a wonderful, wonderful guest on the phone with us today. Um, But of course, first, we're going to start off with our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. And for those of you watching on the Facebook live stream, I may seem like I'm looking around a lot because I am engineering my own show today. Our dear engineer, Rob, um, out with a tooth problem, um, but he'll be back next week. So I'm going to be running back and forth, pushing buttons, dials, keeping an eye on everything. So uh, you'll have to bear with me. All right, let's get started with our quote from the universe. Let's see what Mike Dooley and the universe have in store for us today. How is it that with so many brilliant beings on your planet, so few recognize that when one's life encounters turbulence, choppy waters, or setbacks, it's always a sign that things are about to get wildly better than they've ever been before. And by brilliant beings, I'm not talking about the dolphins. Well, this time, (laughs) don't fight it, the universe. (laughs) We love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. Yes, those turbulent times, those Uh, rocky roads, those uh, high waves, they're only here to show us that pretty soon things are going to get ridiculously better. I mean, like super, super better. Um, So we just uh, need to remember that. And uh, it's, it's, you know, a good reminder in these days because there's so much change going on. Things are very uncomfortable for so many people. And, you know, sometimes things take a little bit longer than we would like. Sometimes, you know, the turbulent times seem to stretch out longer and longer. And that's just because we're focusing on the aspects of it that we don't like instead of focusing on the fact that these turbulent times mean great change. So uh, with great change uh, comes all kinds of things. So let's look at the positive side of change and what can come of these uh, interesting times that we live in. All right, and let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. You have the ability to quickly change your patterns of thought and eventually your life experience. Take 15 minutes daily, 
thinking of pleasant scenarios regarding your body with the sole intent of enjoying your body and appreciating its strength and stamina and flexibility and beauty. When you visualize the joy of... When you visualize for the joy of visualizing rather than with the intent of correcting some deficiency, your thoughts are more pure and therefore more powerful. When you visualize to overcome something that is wrong, your thoughts are diluted with the, quote, lackful, unquote, side of the equation. In time, your physical condition will acquiesce to your dominant thoughts. Abraham. Well, now, Abraham is talking about something here which is much more than just the idea of our physical body and of health or sickness or disease or what have you. It's really this idea that when we visualize, when we put our effort forward, when we're thinking about something, focusing on something, to make ourselves feel better, to, to uplift our spirits, to energize ourselves. If we're doing it to correct some perceived issue, some perceived problem, then what happens to us? We're holding somewhere in our attention, in our consciousness, in our awareness, the fact that there's something wrong. There's something displeasing to us. There's something we don't like. And as long as we're holding that in our awareness, it's still active. So then this, this intention of feeling better, of feeling excited, elated, joyful, it, it's not as pure. So it's not as strong. And when it's not as strong, then it doesn't affect the physicality of the world around us as, um, as intensely. However, what Abraham is saying is, is that when we focus on these intentions purely for the joy of visualizing them, of focusing on them, of feeling better, and not for any other reason that then we're bringing the most amount of potency to that visualization, to that focus, to our imagination, to whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's uh, visualizing or journaling or meditating and and that when we have absent from our awareness that there's something to fix or change or make better that that's what's going to carry us to a more joyful place that much quicker that much more intensely that much more uh, uh joyfully Wow. Uh, big shout out to my friends Fred and Michelle for tuning in on the Facebook live stream. Hey, I just want to let you listeners know that because I'm engineering my own show today, it's going to be a little bit tough for me to get to the phones. So if you want to ask a question, join us on the Facebook live stream. Just type your questions into the comments field. So getting back to our quotes of the day. You know, uh, Mike Dooley in the universe, Mike talks about, you know, how when we're in turbulent times, it's only an indication that things are going to get even better once we're through those turbulent times. The exact same uh, spirit is in our quote from Abraham that, you know, again, it's it's when we sit down to meditate and not to meditate because we're in turbulent times and we're trying to get through it, but just because we love meditating and it makes us feel so good and it raises our spirits without any thought for trying to fix and change and do anything, like that's when our meditation is going to bring us to such a better place. 
we're not here to escape the turbulent times. We're not here to escape the contrast. We're here to learn how to focus our intention on the things that make us joyful, elated, resourceful, connected beings in this world. And the more that focus on those aspects of the of our life and the more we hold our, our attention and our imagination and our awareness on those aspects, completely forgetting about anything that causes us any form of displeasure, that that's when our energy has the purest, um, most effective uh, time, most effective opportunity to to create real change in our lives. I, I know it it may sound a little counterintuitive. I know it it may not sound always easy, but like anything else, it's a practice. It's just something that we we work at. We we try doing a little bit at a time until we get better and better and better. You guys know. Um, I'm real big into baby steps. We just take it a step at a time, a step at a time. We we don't have to leap off tall buildings and make it happen in, in an instant. We we just take one little step. What's right in front of us? What's one thing that you can completely ignore and just focus on something that makes you feel good and then see what happens after you spend your time focusing on that thing that makes you feel good and then see where things are at, whether it's something in your physical body, something in your environment, something in your business, something in your relationships, something in your family. Focus on the things that bring you up, not tear you down. Focus on the things that support you, not disempower you. And don't do it for the sake of changing, fixing, or or negating anything you do it purely for the sake that it just feels better and that's when your feelings have the most potent effect on your life so two wonderful beautiful amazing quotes that are absolutely perfect for uh, our guest who we have on the lines today. Oh, and thank you for all the thumbs up and hearts on the Facebook live stream. Love you guys. So it is my pleasure to now introduce to you um, Yvonne Heath, who is an inspirational speaker, author, and TV host. Yvonne uh, has been a registered nurse since 1998 and has worked in Louisiana, Texas, New York, and Ontario. And having experienced both the management side as well as being in the tr- in the trenches in the healthcare system, from everything from uh, obst- uh, okay, okay, I got to get this word right, obstetric. Obst- <laughs> Yvonne, help me. Obstetrics. Obstetrics. Thank you. <laughs> um, and emergency care to chemotherapy and hospice care. She offers a very unique perspective, like you know me, your conscious consultant. And she became dis- disheartened by our death-phobic society and our reluctance to prepare for grief. And she chose to blaze a new career starting at age 50. And this is really a big lesson for everybody because it is never too late to start something brand new. 
Yvonne not only authored her first book, Love Your Life to Death, but also became a passionate speaker, television host, radio guest, and workshop facilitator. Her new purpose is to empower compassionate professionals and communities to live life to the fullest, learn to grieve and support others, and to have, quote-unquote, the talk about the end of life long before it arrives. Welcome to The Conscious Consultant, Yvonne. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm just thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. I really am. Um, so uh, it, it's quite interesting to me because, you know, I didn't become the conscious consultant until about eight, nine years ago after having been a uh, business consultant for many years and, and doing all kinds of different things. So I know a little bit about having to reinvent yourself. What was it that really after all this time that that you spent as a healthcare provider was there was it something gradual or was there like one big uh, experience that you had that just made you um say hey uh, this is something important people aren't really focusing or paying attention to it like this is something that really speaks to me and i want to focus on my life on this aspect Yes, well, it's a great question, and, you know, I, for many years, I traveled from, I worked in many different places, Toronto, New York State, and Louisiana and Texas, and I was always uneasy, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I didn't, I didn't know, and so I kept, you know, I went from obstetrics, yes, it is a hard word to pronounce, <laughs> and different, I went to the intensive care, and then I supervised, and I sort of, after many years, found my niche in the chemotherapy clinic, feeling like, okay, I've arrived, I can settle here, and yet there was still something nagging at me. And it was when I started to really pay attention to what that might be, I truly realized there were many chemotherapy patients coming to our clinics, and, you know, many people did well and moved on with their lives, but many people died. And to witness the difference between people who had had the talk about grief and death and dying and embraced their lives and lived fully, no matter what age they were, and so they were able to move gracefully through the dying process. They were allowing the grief, and when you say, you know, those turbulent times, they're not there for us to ignore them. We need to experience them, And, uh, and I watched people die with an ease, you know, uh, allowed allowed the turbulence, allowed the grief, but then died with ease and empowered their families to move through their grief. Mm. And then I witnessed the other side where people were scared to death of death. Nobody spoke about it. Let's just hold on to hope no matter what is, you know, reality. And uh, they died in fear and their families just walked away, many of them fractured and broken beyond repair. And so I witnessed that for many years, and, uh, and I, I finally, there was one situation after the other, after the other, and I said, you know, I just, I need to be a voice of change in this. This is what is my purpose. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, the, 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 and you said so beautifully, it's like we're not here to ignore the turbulent times. Absolutely not. And indeed, what I find like kind of gets us in the most trouble tends to be when we judge the turbulent times, when we mm-hmm. judge those things that maybe don't always feel so comfortable as something bad, right? You know, we have a tendency to sort of judge things 
that are painful, yet pain serves a purpose. And yeah. when we just stop judging it, we find that there can be a real gift in those areas of life. Absolutely, Sam. And, you know, at the time, of course, when you're facing big, huge grief, the death of a loved one, a tragedy in your life, it, you know, at that point, it's hard to wrap your head around it and, and you just have to feel your grief, knowing that if you allow it and support yourself with, you know, like you're talking about meditation or whatever you have. And it's interesting because when I do my my speaking engagements, I say you need to find your post that's something Mm -hmm. internal or permanent to hang on to. So to have, you know, a spirituality, a religion, meditation, something to help you as you you travel through your deepest of grief. But uh, one of the one of the quotes in my book, I said, "You never know what awaits on the other side of grief." Yes, yes. And all the people I've met in the last three years, as I've interviewed hundreds of people, have been through the deepest trenches of grief and found joy on the other side. And that truly was a life changing experience for me, yeah. realizing, wow, they got to the other side, and that gave me, you know. Hope for the rest of us. Right, 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 right. Uh, we got a, a fan of yours here on the Facebook live stream. Lori says you have an amazing book. So we'll, oh, yay. We'll, we'll get <laughs> Thank into you, Lori. That <laughs> yeah, thanks, Lori. We love our Facebook live stream fans. A little bit of an apologies. I know the, the connection dropped for a minute, but it's back now. It's nice and strong. You guys should have hopefully no problem hearing us. All right, we're going to take a quick break, Yvonne. So I want you to okay. hold on. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about loving your life to death and why having that conversation is so important so everybody please stay tuned you're listening to the conscious consultant hour awakening humanity and we'll be right back you're listening to the talking alternative network Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, We got another comment from Laurie. She says, Linda Goodman is the author I told you about. Von Herth, tune in. Linda Goodman? 
Oh, related to you, Laurie? I see the same last name. Anyway, welcome back. We're talking with Yvonne Heath all about um, the idea of death and having that conversation around death. And, and you know, uh, Yvonne, I, I had a guest on my show ooh, maybe two years ago already, maybe a little bit longer, who, who was an author. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I remember his story because um, he had actually gone to India and, and, you know, traveling around the world trying to learn things. And he ended up working for a period of time at one of the hospices that um, uh, Mother Teresa had started in northern Uh. India. And he said he had learned so much by being there with people Mm. at the moment of their passing. And it's so interesting how... Um, so much of of so many uh, societies around the world, and and you know every, every culture has something different, but there's so much a fear of death and a and and a relegating death to like you know this very dark something you don't talk about. It's depressing. It's yeah. this and that. Instead of in a way almost celebrating it as just the next phase of life. And I always like to remind people who who are in the midst or, or, or have just lost a loved one that according to the first law of thermodynamics, energy cannot be created mm-hmm. nor destroyed. It merely transforms state. That's right. And um, there was a great um, process that John Martini, who was one of the... Um, uh, uh, people in the secret um, does called a breakthrough process where he kind of takes you through this process where if you've lost somebody in your life where you can find after that person passed the same qualities that that person brought to your life in other people in your life and even though it's a little bit different and not quite the same but that energy is still there so um, it, it's great when we can give people those kinds of tools to help them to, to, to see that death doesn't have to be something that, that needs to be feared, right? Well, the truth of the matter is, and it's, as you were talking about having a practice, if we want to get, quote-unquote, good at grief, death, and dying, we need to practice it instead of avoiding it. And when I started my mission, my journey three years ago, I thought, I wonder if the problem is as bad as I think. And then I went out to start to speak to people, and I thought, it is so much worse than I thought. There were people Uh, that, you know, just, oh, as soon as I started to talk, they'd run away from me and say, I don't like to talk about this. And I would, you know, just sort of call out behind them, you're why I had a book to write. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is like, what a a horrible position to put ourselves in, knowing that we're going to die, but pretending it away. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, when when I'm speaking, I say to people, you know, who doesn't want to die here? But then, and everybody, of course, well, I don't want to die. Well, who wants to live forever? I mean, that's not why we're here. You know, we're, we're here to, to fulfill our purpose on our journey and to listen to that inner voice, find out what that is. I truly believe we're, you know, to be the, the best version of ourselves that we can be. 
and then to pass the baton on to the next generation, the next people. I mean, we can't all stay here forever. It's going to get really crowded. Yes, yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm okay with that because I think that'll just push us to go out and explore other worlds and stuff. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's the other thing, Sam, is, you know, if we talk about plan and prepare long before we are facing grief, death, and dying, so we have coping skills and strategies, what's going to help me move through my grief, and what do I believe about life and death? Mm-hmm. How can I create a soft landing for myself in life? and at the end of life, and for others, so that, you know, we can move through grief together and not suffer excessively, or, you know, we, there's, there's sometimes we just, we create so much more suffering. We do need to grieve, but right. suffering is a different thing. Right, exactly. The Dalai Lama says, right, that, like, you know, life is pain, but suffering is optional, it is optional, and the problem is is that when, you know, we don't have these conversations ahead of time until we're facing a crisis right. or someone we love is dying, that's right. not the time to do your soul searching and say, what do I believe about life and right. death? And, you know, I choose to believe something that, uh, that helps me move through this and be okay with it, which we've also passed on to our children. We have a 23-year-old and 12-year-old twins and uh, and our 12-year-old twins are able to show up for others in grief. They're able to talk about dying. Uh-huh. And two weeks ago, our beloved 16-year-old cat, Smokey, died. And, and I had, you know, been talking to the kids for a while saying, I think that, you know, Smokey's starting to lose weight. Not really sure, but let's prepare our hearts. And uh-huh. uh, I believe, you know, hopefully she's going to be here for a while. But I, I have a sixth sense as a nurse and then we came home and anyways she she was her legs weren't working and she was paralyzed and my 12 year old children were able to hold this cat love her for five hours in her dying process and you know i mean she were there were jerky body movements she made funny noises and the three of us cried and held this cat, this wonderful family pet, for five hours and held her after she died, too. Wow. Now, to me, we are looking back at this. It was heart-wrenching and heartwarming all at the right. same time. Sure. And, you know, I've met people who say, well, I'm not going to get my children a pet because then they have to go through all that stuff. Right. But, you know, my fear is <laughs> they are, you know, Grief, death, and dying is a part of this journey. Yes. And, and loving is worth it, and our hearts will heal if we learn to take good care of ourselves and each other. Right, exactly. And this is one of the things I, I had a, a dear friend who's a Buddhist monk on my show a couple of weeks ago, and one of his practices, it's all about the impermanence, that everything is impermanent. You know, if you live long enough, or if you take a, a, a cosmic scale, time scale of things, even this planet is going to get burned up when our sun goes supernova one day. Absolutely. You know, it may take billion, a billion years, but it's still going to happen. Mm-hmm. So everything is really impermanent. And to deny that fact is, is to really, I mean, basically is to live in denial. And that doesn't mean that there's not something to learn and it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a quote-unquote bad thing um and and it was interesting that i found out one of his practices was to look at pictures of like dead bodies and corpses from 
you know, all kinds of different situations, which was a little bit morbid, him, I think. But it, it was, again, to kind of activate in him the fact that, like, we only have so much time on this planet, mm-hmm. although that time has increased tremendously. I mean, we have to be mindful of the fact that over the last 100 to 200 years, our lifespan has, has pretty much doubled. Yeah. And, you know, with technology and breakthroughs in medical research and just understanding ourselves and our environment better, it is possible to live healthier, a longer, more vibrant life. But having said that, that doesn't mean that there still isn't loss, that there still isn't, uh, you know, other things that um, uh, that uh, that happen that, uh, you know, cause a sense of loss within us that we need to to kind of be present to. And mm-hmm. I, I remember I had one teacher uh, who talked a lot about sort of processing our emotions and being present to our emotions. And I remember this, and this was years ago. She said that there is no emotion so strong that if we're not present, truly present to it completely for seven days straight that we can't get past or get through. And, you know, sometimes we feel so... Um, uh, upset over the loss of a loved one that we mm-hmm. think we're going to feel this way always. Forever. But it's like the more we avoid it, it's like the longer it sticks around, but the more we're present to it, actually the more quickly we can process it and get through it. And that's the only way to get through our grief, isn't it? To allow it, to feel it, name it, sit in the messiness of life right. and the turbulence and, and and know that it will pass. We're not going to feel that acute pain forever but we do have to feel it you know i mean when i first looked i when i first looked at my cat and i was like i've had this cat for 16 years and i just i remember my heart felt oh my it was physical i could feel the pain of grieving and and i was so deeply sad and i just we just bawled our eyes out and allowed it and you know that's what we need to do But going back to that medical technology, um, you know, in my book I wrote, Why Have We Become So Death Phobic? And we've been led down to this road of death phobia unknowingly. There's been so many factors, and one of them, as wonderful as medical technology is, it is indeed a double-edged sword because in our minds, Death is a failure, and medical technology can cure anything. (laughs) And we've also placed so much more value on the quantity of life rather than the quality of life. So, you know, we feel that if somebody doesn't live till they're 99, they haven't lived a full life. And, you know, if somebody is... 88 and we could continue on with chemotherapy and all of these things we should always do it and you know maybe sometimes you should but perhaps there's some times where we have to step back and truly value what that person what quality of life is to them instead of just holding on to life at all costs that was part of what I, how I suffered in my nursing career Sam because there were many times where we would get, be giving blood transfusions to people in their 90s um, and above. The one lady was 105. Wow. And we were giving her blood transfusions, and she wanted to die. Uh, and yeah. no one wanted to, you know, the doctor wanted to feel like he wasn't giving up on her. The family hadn't had the conversation, so 
you know, in their minds they should keep her alive no matter what. And we need to step back and reevaluate. No. You know, it, it shouldn't be life at all costs because death is a natural end of someone's life. And we no. need to allow a natural death that isn't failure. It's this journey. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's, I, I agree with you so much about how it's really the quality, not the quantity of life that's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time for us to take another break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the why. Why is death seen as such a failure? And, and why is it so widespread among diverse cultures, e- e- even where the cultures are extremely different? Okay? Sounds good. All right, great. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Shout out to Peter Jenkins. Also, thanks for listening to the Facebook live stream, and we will be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. If you have an interest in marijuana, you want to know about marijuana, law, policy, and culture, then feel free to join me, Joseph A. Bondi, every Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning on my show, In the Know 420 on TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with my guest, Yvonne Heath, author of Love Your Life to Death. Um, so, Yvonne, before we get into the book, um, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, what have you seen in terms of the differences across different cultures around this, this um, attitude towards death? Is it? I mean, it appears to me that, that there's sort of this fear of death around, uh, all around the world. But, but is there a difference between different cultures, have you found? Well, I haven't studied a lot of the different cultures. I do have a friend, Stephen Garrett, that has done that. Um, And there are many other cultures where they don't have a choice, but death is just 
people die at home. You know, there's places where they actually just burn their dead yeah. the, uh, right out in public. I mean, they mm-hmm. just don't have, you know, all of these different options. People don't, the elderly don't go live in nursing homes. They don't have funeral homes that uh, take care of all of that stuff. People don't die in intensive cares. So death is just a part of life for many cultures. Uh, I aspire aspire to do a documentary on that someday. I think that would be fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Um, But it is definitely a North American culture and fear. And, and yeah, that's where I'm starting. Hmm. Good old North America. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Because we are, as my intern Patrick pointed out, we are so consumer-oriented here. You know, it's all about the physical. And it's like, you know, death is like the, the, the end of the physical. And that's like the thing that terrifies, you know, companies the most because then there are no consumers to buy their products. Well, that's uh, so there's just so many things that feed into it. And one of is indeed our youth idolizing society and the yes. media. And yeah, aging is a bad thing. And, you know, when you think about it, I mean, uh, the elderly used to live among us. Grandma, grandpa, everybody lived with us. Yeah, together there, in one house. Yeah. yeah. And there are there are people who, you know, if their grandparents died many years ago and they don't have any elderly people around them they just some people are never even around older people so they have this strange fear because it is a reminder of our mortality but also they're just not used to the physical appearance Mm -hmm. or um and and they don't have that interaction i think that's really really sad actually yeah it's a big loss for people yeah Um, one of the initiatives that I've, i've seen talked about many places which i think is great is like combining like uh, preschool and like younger schools with nursing homes so that the yeah. elderly can help to watch the little kids because I think it's great mm. for for both ends to 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 experience each other. Absolutely, <coughs> I would love to see more. I know that a lot of the uh, hi- the high school students have to mm. do a certain amount of volunteer hours, right. and I would love to see that you know more programs like that go interact with the elderly. And you know the sad thing is is that sometimes sitting with someone for half an hour having a cup of tea and, and listening to their story or playing cards, maybe their only visitor and make their entire mm. week. And, you know, it, it, that's the whole volunteerism thing as well. They're being more community-oriented, you know. It takes right. a village yeah. to live well and to die well, and we need to get back to that. Right, right. Um, so, Vaughn, tell me, what um, made you decide to actually write a book about death? Oh, well, you know, like all big inspirational moments in your life, uh, there was a pop-up on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those life-changing moments. So I I had been studying, I I started pacing, and you know, it's funny because I said to my mom for many years, I said, I don't know, Mom, I'm going to speak to a lot of people, I'm not sure, I have a message, I don't even know what it is which is hilarious because I was absolutely petrified to public speak. Mm. And uh, with the encouragement, uh, I had a wonderful mentor, Peter Jennings, who's written several books. Uh, who's on the, the latest Facebook one live is stream. Why Being Happy yeah. Matters. And, uh, and he really encouraged me, and that's how I became a speaker and a TV host. And, but I, I didn't know what to do, and I said, I've got to get this message out. You know, we don't, we're afraid of death. We don't talk about grief. And I was sitting at my computer, and there was this pop-up, how to write a best-selling book. And I went, <laughs> oh, my God, honey, that's it. I'm going to leave my 27-year nursing career and write a book. <laughs> wow. Yes, which was very frightening because I hadn't so much as journaled since 
college. But, you know, it just, it's like passion kidnapped me. Uh, My inner voice was screaming. And it just, I wrote my book in 18 months. Oh, wow. Yes, I was just, I was that kooky author in the forest. I interviewed (laughs) dozens of people and shared their stories. I interviewed people ages 11 to 102 and shared their stories. Wow. Wow. And it was truly life-changing for me. I mean, I've met people and interviewed people who have been through the deepest of tragic grief that you would never blame them for, you know, if they never found joy in their lives again. But my one friend, Judy Snodden, actually wrote a book entitled Finding Joy, A Mother's Journey After Losing Two Sons. Mm. One son ended his life and her other son uh, died of cancer 10 years later. Oh, wow. And Judy's mission in life is to empower other people and honor her sons and to live a joyful life so that she isn't just the mother who was destroyed by, you know, the death of her sons. She wants to honor their memory. And I've met so many people like that, Sam, and they give that's they fuel me and they say, Wow, you know, we, we can we can do better with grief. We can do better with the acceptance of death and and being present in the dying process because there is opportunity in the dying process. Mm, There's absolutely. beautiful opportunity in the dying process, and uh, and we can make the most of it. So um, did you self-publish your book, or, or did you find a publisher? Well, it's funny because I was my husband, Jordy, my behind-the-scenes everything mm. guy, and so I had a, he was a paramedic, so I had a nurse and a paramedic, totally oh, <laughs> didn't know anything about any of this which is a a thing exactly like you said. You can change your life at any time because (laughs) we were so naive. But uh, when we looked into publishing and I was told, oh, you know, your manuscript ends up in the slush pile, and if you don't hear from us in six months, we're not interested. So I went, you know, this is my heart and soul that I've poured into this, so we did self-publish. Okay. All right. Great. Great. Yes. And so what kind of reaction did you get uh, you know, when you initially published this book? I mean, were people kind of put off by the book or did, were people like thirsty for it? Well, you know, it, it's so interesting because when I had a book launch, 85 people showed up. It was on the radio, newspaper, television, uh-huh. and I sold, oh, I think we, we sold dozens of books that night. Uh-huh. And the feedback was extraordinary. But here is uh, the very telling thing that I, you know, my husband, a paramedic, me, a nurse, I thought there would be dozens of healthcare professionals there, right. you know, thinking, okay, this will empower you, this will be great. And do you know how many nurses were there? Just you. Three. No, three, three? lovely nurses. Oh, okay. Three's three nurses showed up, one doctor that I had never met before, and one paramedic. Wow. And what I realized, because, I mean, of course it can't be that they don't like me. I'm very lovable. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but what I realized is this is not a topic they want to hear about yeah. or talk about right now, obviously, or... Um, You know, what I realized, this was a big aha moment for me. You know, there are many wonderful healthcare professionals, coaches, lawyers, all of these people who society is looking to for guidance in grief, death, and dying, but many are not well prepared personally for grief, death, and dying. And they don't really want to hear it because as a nurse in my career, 
you know, I just kind of suffered excessively. I, you kind of go home and you, you know, you're supposed to put on that brave front after many people have died and, and you go back to work and it's the same for paramedics and for many other, you know, healthcare professionals or even teachers. Mm. Imagine feeling big grief and as a, as a teacher or coach and, and then you're, you're not well prepared. You don't have the coping skills and strategies and then you're faced with, all these other people are who are looking to you for guidance, right, right. and uh, so the community was very, very receptive. Very, I've had so much positive feedback. Wonderful. I am thrilled. But it is not, some some healthcare professionals have have given me positive feedback, but not nearly enough or as many as I I would have hoped for. Put right. it that way, for their own sake. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And how long ago did the book come out? September 16th, 2015, so just a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Okay, great, great. All right, so so let's like give our audience, we've got about three, four minutes before we go to break again. What are some of the coping strategies? What are some of the ways that, that if somebody, like I have a, a dear friend whose mom is in the process of transitioning, mm-hmm. what is your advice to people who are experiencing the loss of somebody close to them? Well, you know, again, because my whole emphasis is talk about and prepare long before you are facing grief. So that's a tough one because when you are in the grieving process, I say, you know, many people who have come to me, it's months after they've been grieving or shortly after and saying, that was awful, I want to do better next time. And then they're fully able to embrace my book and my message. But when people are grieving in that acute process, it's like you said, you know, you need to take baby steps and realize, uh, keep checking in with yourself, what do I need right now? Mm. What, what is helpful to me? Do not have any toxic people around, and if you do, <laughs> ask them to go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. I no longer have room in my life for toxic people. And, you know, in that grieving process, the, the one, the biggest, I think, the greatest advice is remembering people think, oh, I need to do everything for this person and I'm a caregiver. But if, if self-care isn't first, yes. you will not be able to show up yes. for that other person, yes. you know, for the, whether they're sick or dying or whatever. You need to self-preserve. And the other big thing is if you can step back and say, you know, when people die suddenly, you don't have a dying process. So you right. miss out on that opportunity what do you want to say to that person? What do you need to hear from that person? See this as an opportunity. Make self-care a priority and do everything that, you know, take pictures, read, make this moment, make every moment count. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> so I guess what you're saying is really it's don't wait until you're in that situation. Start to prepare yourself long before so that when that kind of situation comes about, you already have the foundation that you've built upon to help you through the grieving process. Absolutely. And, you know, people can think, oh, I have lots of time. Well, you know, yeah. this, this Saturday I will be going to a celebration of life for a beautiful 42-year-old woman who fell and, you know, mm. consequently her injury, she died. There was no prep time. We don't, you know, we don't all have a dying process. We don't all die of old age. 
We are all here on our journey, however long that is, and we don't always get a warning. Yes. Talk about yeah. plan and prepare long before. So no matter what arrives, you at least have that foundation, just like you said. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, it's time for us to take our last commercial uh, break. This is okay. such a great topic. Um, we definitely have to have you on back again. But um, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some more things about some other ideas around death and dying and, and uh, you know, maybe some different practices we can try. So, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Our guest this hour has been Yvonne Heath, author of the book, Love Your Life to Death. Um, Yvonne, oh, and, and before, I just want to make a quick announcement about an event coming up on uh, Thursday, February 23rd. Just to remind my audience, Conscious Business Collective, we're meeting here in New York City um, uh, on the 23rd. At 7 p.m., please go to our uh, meetup group, uh, uh, meetup.com slash conscious dash B-I-Z biz dash collective and find out all about the meeting and and our group and what we're all about. Um, So, Vaughn, how did you come up with the title of your book, Love Your Life to Death? Oh, that's just as exciting as my story about my pop-up. I was pacing all around my house. And it's just, you know, I feel like... I always say to people, listen to that inner voice because it's yeah. in there. And, you know, I I had all of these topic or all of these titles like, okay, let's talk about death and let's do this. And I was lots of pacing with my socks and sandals and pajamas. And I said, well, you know, we have to love our life and we can't fear death. We have to love our life to death. And I went, love your life to death. <gasps> love your life to death. Oh, my goodness. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and my husband once again got a, honey, honey, I got the title. And I think that was probably the fourth title that uh, I had gone uh, through. I said, no, no, this is it. You must go register this. This has to be ours. And I kind of fell in love with that. Because that's what we need to do, you know. It's life, death. Love your life to death to the very end. 
Wow, wonderful, wonderful. Um, you know, you mentioned early on in the show about your your children and uh, and at twelve years old how they you've really helped them already to prepare for death and everything. And and it just it brought to mind a, a story uh, um, when I was at a, a business conference that the the guy who ran it would told the story how that some of the parents you know occasionally would bring their kids and they had like programs for kids. And there was, I forget how old she was. She was maybe a 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old girl mm-hmm. or something. And, and she was very sad. And he sat with her and talked with her to find out what happened. And it turned out that, like, her best friend in school had some disease, you know, leukemia, cancer, something like that, and passed away and or was in the process of dying. And, mm-hmm. and she didn't know what to do. And they were talking about a memorial and stuff. And, and through the conversation, the two of them came up with this idea of the last birthday party as opposed mm. to a memorial. And I thought that was such a wow. beautiful way to celebrate life as opposed to like going to a memorial. Let's have a last birthday party for the person. That is beautiful. And, you know, the thing, uh, back to children, the thing that how we create so much excessive suffering is the fact that we someday feel like we have to reveal that hmm. we die, that our pets die. Whereas, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just raised our children so that it, they understood that it's the matter of fact of life that it is, and that's right. what we have done. Uh, they've always just known that everything that lives dies, and we don't know how long we're here. Mm. And yes, it's sad, and we have to grieve, but, you know, everybody's here for their own journey, no matter how long it is. And if we normalize these conversations in the home, at school, and even in the workplace, that's another big passion of mine, because, you know, when somebody, hospice and palliative care, all of those things, they're, they're wonderful movements, but when, you know, Joe's wife died and he goes back to work, everyone's right. just like, oh, here's Joe. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. You know, we, we're, we're so awkward and uncomfortable, but you may not have ever spoken about it at home or right. at, and in schools. We just need to normalize these conversations, and then children mm. will be able to do that, celebrating the last birthday, you know, and, and be able to be present. My kids, we have this, whenever anyone is grieving or has died, I have this big, beautiful stained glass candle, and I light it, and it's in the living room. And they walk in, and they say, oh, who's grieving or who died? They just, you know, we just honor, and and we have pictures, and and we put those people's names in a heart, and and they just know. And it's actually gotten to the point where, you know, I wanted to make sure, I, I, I even wrote in my book a poem, If I Die Today, I have lived a full life in 52 years. I don't want people to think... You know, if I die before I think, which is going to be 110, just so you know. Which is, oh, by the way, it's my birthday today. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> I'm 52 today, Sam. Oh, my God. Happy birthday. Oh, perfect <laughs> yes, timing. Yes, this is my birthday present, being on your show. It's very exciting. Oh, Thank well, you. I'm honored. I'm but honored. I've, I've said to my kids, however long my journey is, I've lived a full life. I want to live many more years, but that, you know, I will take good care of myself. I will right. do what I can. Right. And they finally say, Mom, I know, I know, you're going to be a spirit. We'll stay connected. Energy does not die. It just transforms. We get it. We'll always stay connected. You'll be able to talk. I know, I know. And I said, well, you know what? I'm glad you get it. 
because I want you to get it. We are all in our lives to, you know, create, be the best version of ourselves, create our own unshakable happiness and not be dependent on, I mean, change is the only constant in our world, isn't it? Yeah. It is forever evolving. So create your own unshakable happiness. Be joyful and grateful for all the people in your life. But, you know, don't, I mean, I've heard people say, I don't know what I would do if, if he dies. And, they, and, and their partner feels the same. I'm like, well, isn't there a chance that one of you is going to go first? Like, <laughs> let's not do that to each other. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So um, um, how do you start that conversation with somebody? Um, like, let's say, you know, somebody's listening to this program you know, they love this idea of being prepared for death and having a conversation and not having it kind of sneak up and being a big surprise. Yep. How do you recommend somebody starts to have this conversation either with their partner or their family or their children? Right. And I love that you brought that up, Sam, because uh, I actually just created a 30-minute audio that oh. uh, um, talks about that so that people can listen and re-listen. But the first thing people need to do is have the talk with themselves first. Ah, what are okay. your coping skills, strategies? Right. What do you believe about right. life and death? What right. are your wishes at end of life? How would you see being a great celebration of the end of your life? What, right. you know, so I, and, and really make peace with end of life yourself. Start there. Because what I did as a healthcare professional for 27 years is, oh, you know, you should do your advanced care plan and, you know, be a registered organ donor and do all of these things. Do you think, well, I was an organ donor, but I didn't have my plans for many years. And I didn't have, I hadn't made peace with end of life. So, it was kind of a do as I say, not as I, as I do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what many of us do. So you need to start with having the talk with yourself first. Right. And then you can approach someone else, first of all, with a sincerity and credibility of how empowering it is. You feel so much better having all of this stuff in place. And then, you know, when people say, oh, it's such an awkward conversation, I say, well, guess what? That's how I start it. Hey, Mom. Awkward conversation coming up. (laughs) I've done my end-of-life plan. I've registered. I've done all of these things. I've written letters to the children, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to have to think about all of this stuff when I am facing, you know, your end-of-life or when that time comes. Can we have these conversations now? And, you know, some people, I don't want to talk about that. And, you know, again, I'm sorry, I kind of have a little tough love because I say, well, you know what? That's that's kind of selfish, right. actually. It's pretty selfish because people say, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Well, somebody's going to have to talk about your end of life. Right. Why would you leave that for the grieving family members who loved you? Or, right. you know, why, why, do we do, why do we think that's okay? Right. Right. We just need to normalize that everybody does this end-of-life planning. I, I think that it should just be when... Kids go get their driver's license. They do their end-of-life plan, organ donation. They check it all, check, check, check. Yeah. Let's just normalize that cool, so cool. that it's just something that you update throughout your life. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Vaughn, it's been great having you on the show. We definitely have to have you back on in the future. It's just too important a topic not to address periodically. Um, if people want to learn more about you, find your book, where do they go? 
www.loveyourlifetodeath.com. Great, great. And do you have any events coming up or anything you want people to know about? Well, actually, um, if they, I have a Facebook page, Love Your Life to Death, and my mm-hmm. events are always uh, there. They're posted on my website. Um, I have a, uh, a Lori Goodman who has written a beautiful book about her father's end, uh, life to honor her, her dad. Uh, speaking of opportunity in the dying process, she wrote a beautiful life or book about his journey right to the very end, um, and that is on my Facebook page and we she is launching her book on february 25th and i will be there with my book as well in milton ontario but uh this is our year have book will travel we (laughs) want to travel across north america and speak so uh yes give us a call we'll come all right well let me know when you make it to new york city so we'll get you in studio next time that would be wonderful and sam i i'm so honored to be on your show thank you so much for sharing my message and i look forward to another chat another time okay wonderful and thank you for taking time on your birthday to come on my show i'm i feel so so honored thank you (laughs) my pleasure All right. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in and listening. Again, uh, Conscious Business Collective, uh, next uh, Thursday, February 23rd, 7 p.m., meetup.com slash conscious-biz-collective. Come join us. Be part of the movement um, and, and join us. Uh, stay tuned for tomorrow. Three brand new shows in the No 420, 21st Century Entrepreneur, and Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Thank you all for tuning in, especially on the Facebook live stream. And uh, thank you for hanging in there with our technical issues earlier. And we will talk to you next week. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.